This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. This is a wild game of survival. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I'm Joe Lipset, and I'm joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. And ladies, we are talking about episodes one through three of Paramount Plus's Fatal Attraction limited series TV show. And I feel like there's two places that we could begin. One is what the hell have they done to Pacey's hair? The oh other <laughs> is what the hell have they done with these two different timelines? But uh, that's so juicy. Let's put a pause in it and say, Gina, tell me your thoughts on Fatal Attraction, the film. Well, I am old enough to remember when it first came out and everybody was like, wow, this is going to put a stop to casual sex and <laughs> being, unfa- being unfaithful to your wife for sure. And, oh, sure. And it, it did not. No. <laughs> I, I do think it's, you know, as, as you know, painfully 80s as it is at times i do think it's still a really solid movie Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to have watched over the past 35 odd years kind of viewers opinions kind of turn (laughs) at Mm -hmm. a certain point and you know go from well she's just like a monster and you know this is such a thing and now it's like "Mm, he kind of had a coming the monster Uh (laughs) like even when when, like if you look at like comments on youtube clips even the youtube commenters tend to side on you know he really misled her (laughs) to Mm -hmm. the nature of their relationship and jen what about you i don't remember the first time i saw this movie it might have been when i was an adult like i think i was a little bit like just shy of too young to see it when it came out Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I, when I was younger, I tended to like avoid girl stuff sometimes or things that I thought was going to be like girl stuff. So I avoided this movie for a long time and finally watched it. And and I do, I agree. I think it is a really good movie. And I think there mm-hmm. it's like a really rich text with a lot to chew on. And right. when I put my feminist hat on, because I have this really complicated, I think, relationship with this movie, my feminist hat completely agrees with you and yes dan is in the wrong and i feel like alex is i don't know if i would call her a victim but she is not the heartless monster that i think the movie wants us to think she is mm-hmm. but also wow. uh college <laughs> jen was very very codependent and i never boiled anybody's rabbits and i never like i mean i didn't go this far but i mean I I see a lot of myself in Alex, and so it's hard for me to be sympathetic for her because I see the parts of myself that I wish I could go back in time and change, and I can't. And I mean, I'm not like mm-hmm. that anymore. I read I read Codependent No More, and it helps me a lot. And I've also been going to therapy. But it's just, I don't know, sometimes <laughs> I think it's a really interesting portrayal of a codependent slash um, mentally ill woman who needs right. help. And a man who is just kind of <laughs> oblivious to that and horny, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, one, we'd, act, we'd actually did an episode on Kill by Kill of this when we were doing our run of um, erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm. And 
one thing I pointed out was that you're supposed to get the impression that this this is his first time having a, a fling with someone, and mm-hmm. and right. I don't I don't know if it was because of the way Michael Douglas played him, but I didn't buy for a second that that was his first time doing that. Mm-hmm. He was he was just a little too smooth, a little too sure of himself. He knows exactly and, what to do. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So that you know that also makes you a little less sympathetic to his plight, as it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, what are the odds that the only time he has an affair, it's like the worst possible scenario, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's true, right? I mean, I think the film isn't as interested in all of those things. One of the mm-hmm. other things that I really took notice of, because I, I wrote about this in my erotic thriller column for Bloody Sex Crimes, and... I think that the film is great. I think Adrian Lyne is a fantastic director. I love revisiting his films, particularly from this time period. But the film is extremely uninterested in any of the psychology of either Alex, the Glenn Close character, or Beth, mm-hmm. the Ann Archer wife character. Like, oh, for the sure. film is yeah. very much from Michael Douglas's perspective, which makes sense. But yeah. I feel like that's actually one of the reasons why this TV show, I'm making a gentle segue, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why the TV show has an opportunity to do something more interesting because over eight hours, we can actually unpack who these women are in the mm-hmm. lives of this one man. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I was very excited. In the first couple of minutes, the speech that he that Dan gives at his parole hearing, where he mm-hmm. admits his wrong, and he's like, I let myself lose control. I was like, yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it. And then we'll see. I- I'm curious to see if, if they <laughs> yeah. actually stick to that, you know? Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is an interesting take that, yeah. they're, yeah. that they're, they're doing on this storyline. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's too early for me to say if it works or not. So far, mm-hmm. it's a question mark. Yeah. Right until the third episode, it wasn't really working for me much because I, I, they're focusing on the wrong characters. I uh-huh. feel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about that part of the story first. So there is a framing device, which is that we're going back to the original ending of the movie, which is that Alex kills herself. And she frames Dan. Dan goes to jail. Test audiences hated it. So we changed it to have Beth end up shooting her. And then the family is kind of reunited, blah, blah, blah. It's all very boring and safe. (laughs) So the TV show opens with Dan having been in jail for 15 years for Alex's murder. He's at his parole hearing. And then we flash back and we're somewhere, I think we talked about this offline, we think we're somewhere around the late 90s or early 2000s in mm. most of the quote-unquote yeah, flashbacks. They don't really make much of an effort to... They don't give us dates. ...differentiate. <laughs> yeah. Like, the only the only way that, like, Joshua Jackson and... Um, and Amanda Pete, you know, the only way they have aged, they both have a little tiny bit of gray hair. Just, 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 mm, just, yes. just a little tiny bit. I would argue that the Joshua Jackson's hair in the present, quote unquote, present day, when we also have a slight blue filter, is more <laughs> atrocious than when he looks like a Wall Street banker. Even though That's he's true. been changed into a lawyer in this version, like when he gets when he gets out of uh, prison, he's got a little bit of a Unabomber look. Yeah, <laughs> and, yes. then, and then he shaves, but still has the same, still keeps the hair, still keeps the hair. What <laughs> yes. the fuck are we doing? 
Joshua Jackson is a very attractive man. We uh-huh. have seen him in other contemporary texts. He's a hot piece of ass, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck Fatal Attraction is doing to him. I, I don't I know, know why they put him in tidy whities for that, like <laughs> that that episode two sex scene, which was not bad, <laughs> except he's like wearing like the underwear that like a Their little grandpa. boy would wear. It's uh, not yeah. even like tidy whities It's like they're saggy. They're unflattering. Yeah, it's like... Here's the thing. I've heard you go off on scantily clad men on Kill by Kill many a time, <laughs> Gina. And I, in my head, as I'm listening to you and Patrick while I'm like cleaning the house or something, I'm just like, Gina, as a gay man, I say how dare you to that. <laughs> in this situation, however, it's like, what is with the grandpa panties? It's mm. not hot. Yeah, it's he's nice. he's like four. They you know they keep mentioning many times that he's about to turn forty. Mm-hmm. So this is you know at the earliest the late nineties, and you know right you know, adult men were generally wearing boxer shorts by that boxers, point for yeah. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not like he's wearing like super tight pants either. Like he's not mm-hmm. emo, Casey. You know, yeah, no, he's got the he's got the the briefs and the un- the matching undershirt. <laughs> yes, and it's like the yeah. most unattractive undershirt. That said, I am still very very attracted to Pacey. Like he will just always <sighs> live in my heart on the true love boat and just passing that <laughs> book back and forth to Joey. Um, but yeah, and I mean the hair to me it reminds me. I was like, have they been watching you? Are they trying to give him the you cut? Except oh, without the uh, the, the scruff. Yeah, exactly. Like a bad weird version. I I think I do actually like the older version of his hair more. Um, oh, Jen. I know. <laughs> hey, I mean, we're comparing like two rotten apples to like rotten oranges. So, you it's know, true. it's not. <laughs> so question for you two then. Do you think that part of this costume coding is to suggest, oh, he's very complacent in his marriage and in fatherhood? And, you know, he's kind of dressing like he's not sexually desirable. So these are just kind of frumpy everyday things like is. Is that part of, ooh, this is why he's going to go on this affair with this woman? I mean, maybe? I, mean, I, 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 don't, get the, I don't get the impression that, you know, that his wife is you know, in that much control of him, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the read that I'm getting from it, and I'm hearing Miranda in my head saying, because he's single, he's a catch. Like, he is just a confident <laughs> man. So he doesn't have to be attractive, you know? And so maybe. she that she is, like, throwing herself... I mean, I don't know if she's actually throwing herself, but like that he is able to not be super attractive and still land any woman he wants because that's just what powerful men can do. You know, Mm. that's kind of I don't know that if that's totally intentional, though, like I'm not sure what they're doing, because I feel like if they were going to try to ug him up, like they would go a little further. You, you know? could hug him up a lot more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give him a mullet or something. Oh I God. also will say, I don't really like any of the hair on this show. So. Oh, I like Lizzie Kaplan's a lot. Oh, do you? Oh, see. I've... Well, see, her. You know, the hair looks good for her, but that's not right. what I associate with the character. She's, you know, when I think Alex Sparks, I think this like crazy, huge blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when I think Lizzie Kaplan, I think of these like smooth, quaffed, like masters of sex hairstyles, like right. from the 50s and 60s. So it could just be that it's a little bit of a disconnect, you know, but and Amanda Peets, I feel like I just 
she needs a flat iron. <laughs> like, it just feels so frizzy to me. It's frizzy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just feels like a weird lens, a weird hair lens for me. <laughs> it feels like the show can't quite figure out what time it is set in. And as a result, it's kind of doing an every time between, like, the 2000s and the 90s and other things. But, okay, let, let's move on from the fashion and the hair, because, <laughs> Gina, you said that it seems like this show doesn't entirely know who to focus on or who is most interesting. Are you saying that because the first two of these three episodes are from Dan's perspective? I was thinking more in terms of, with this framing device, you've got his daughter, who oh, God, daughter. is, she's like college age, I guess. I mm-hmm. think she's supposed to be studying criminology, mm-hmm. and but she's yeah. seeing a therapist, so so she's obviously troubled about all this, and and he wants to reconnect with her, and I'm like, mm, this is not a very interesting character. Where are you going with this TV show? Mm-hmm. Because it's, as it turns out, spoiler, uh, he apparently did not actually kill Alex. Uh, right. he, he said he, he plea bargained. So he, he would, he would have to avoid going to trial. So now he's out of jail and he wants to, you know, find the real killer. And, and I guess the daughter, maybe she's going to help him eventually. And, and yeah. I'm just not getting a, a read on what this character's purpose is and like, you know, how she's going to ultimately play into the story. Hmm. Yeah, and I think I like it from the lens of the next generation of women. And if I took like a kind of a meta approach to what it's doing, it's like, you know how we've said this movie has aged very differently from what the original intention of the film is. And we Mm -hmm. see it like through a feminist lens, we see it in a different way. And so I think it would be really interesting if they took this character of Ellen and she could like, give us a window into that. Like, what was it like to grow up with this legacy with her fa- her own father treating this woman in this way, you know? And I just don't know. Right. I don't know if they're going to do it. Like, it, it feels like they are trying to have it both ways. It's like what you were saying, like, they can't seem to land on a time period. I feel like I'm not convinced of what their message is. Like, are they trying to remake this or are they trying to update it to mm-hmm. reflect the changes that we have all made from the original, you know? Yeah, and I think it's actually both, because I think they realize there's opportunity within this story to push things further, to explore more things, as mm-hmm. well as recognize, oh, this isn't, you know, the late 80s anymore. Like, we've got an opportunity to update this story and introduce more female characters. And yeah, I I do have a feeling... Gina, that you're right, that Ellen is ultimately going to join her father in this kind of fact-finding crusade to clear his name. We definitely get inklings of that in the third episode, where we also get a bit more of a sense of what Amanda Pete, that's the Beth character, so the wife, the kind of sacrifice or the deal that she and Dan made when he went to prison, which is like, I'm going to stop talking about you so that she doesn't know what she was missing. So it does feel like we're interested at least in what trauma and sort of intergenerational violence does to people but Mm -hmm. after three episodes i'm still not sure how effectively it's going to land that 
Yeah, the thing that I'm really curious about, and then, and we introduced this in the third episode, is Alex's psychology and yeah. And I mean, if if that's all we focused on, I would be happy because I think that is fascinating. But well, are you two in agreement with me that the third episode is the best of the three? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's a really fascinating kind of Rashomon take on how they meet and and the twist that she's kind of orchestrated everything like right. in, in, in advance like what from dan's perspective they just they just kind of keep casually running into each other you know they mm-hmm. they get caught in the same elevator they end up at the same restaurant and two occasionally implausible lengths she has right. she has planned all this out oh you find it implausible that you could just light a couple of uh sanitary <laughs> <laughs> products on fire in a bathroom that's how i that's how i landed my partner i mean Same, you know, right you know we just <laughs> lit up some tampons and you know expected that the uh, sprinklers would go off at just the precise time oh yeah mm-hmm. and that he would agree to come back to my house so he can dry off mm-hmm. right of course yeah. rather than going <laughs> rather than just going home like a normal person would do exactly <laughs> yeah well you know when you're all wet and you're both super hot what are you gonna do you know it is, a, I mean, a genius plan on her part, you know, not I mean, good. And yeah. I don't think she is in a healthy place. But the Ooh. old Jen in college was like, man, she really knew what she was doing here. Which is interesting <laughs> because I just watched the movie today and mm-hmm. there's not really the implication that Alex was planning that. Like, I feel like that is an no. addition to the show. Yeah. Which I'm really curious about. I, I'm loving that. Well, I think that's why this third episode is so interesting. It's not just that Rashomon factor, like you mentioned, Gina. It's the fact that we're actually getting a sense of who Alex is as a person outside of just this relationship with Dan, right? You know, she Mm -hmm. clearly is blackmailing her neighbor that she used to have a sexual affair with to the point that he fucking cuts and runs (laughs) when she's at work one day. And just abandons everything in his apartment. Like, that is such an interesting note to be like, oh, she is high octane levels of crazy because men will do anything to get away from her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, she's just, she's mentally ill. Yes. Is, is, it, is it implied that she is ha- also having a thing going on with the, the bailiff? Because she, yes. she brings him something and he's like, oh, we can't keep doing this. So it's like, mm-hmm. she's having a fling with him too. <laughs> She is. I think she's kind of been working her way through. Yeah. Yeah. Men that either give her attention or that she wants attention from. And that's, I think, one of the things that I really loved about that third episode, because that feels very real to me as like a a recovering codependent person. It's like, it doesn't necessarily matter who it is. I mean, it matters to a certain extent, but it's like Mm -hmm. that attention and that chase is what you become kind of addicted to or that's what is fulfilling that need that you can't fulfill in a more healthy way you know so I think it it just I love all of these hints that this isn't her first time and some of them may have been more sinister and more dangerous and some of them may have just been like oh yeah that she's got a crush on me she keeps bringing me food and it's kind of weird but you know it's not too mm-hmm. bad. And her, you know, her old therapist does not want anything to do with her anymore, oh, which is, boy. which is, which is, interesting. she's like, yeah, I can't help you. Goodbye. <laughs> That's not something you want to hear from your therapist. I can't I help you. <laughs> yeah. You need help. I cannot provide it. Goodbye. We're done. I know. So one of the other things that I'm really enjoying about the show so far is it's accepting that 
human relationships are murky and complex. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the movie, a lot of people, after they watch it, they wonder why Dan ever had the affair because Ann Archer seems lovely and all she really wants to do is move to the country. And that doesn't seem like such an imposition except for, oh, he's a city guy. Whereas the TV show, you know, we very clearly see that they are having sex. There's like not tension within the relationship, but it is, it's established, right? Like they have settled into a kind of formula, but they're fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, there's this mysterious woman. She's giving me attention and I'm staying late at the office. But it feels a lot more organic to how affairs and people's attention can sort of drift away. Well, one thing that I noticed that he and Alex have that he doesn't seem to have with Beth, or or if he did, it's it's kind of gone because as as uh, you know, these things happen in long term relationships, you know, they're flirting, and mm-hmm. and you know that's very powerful. I mean, you don't really there comes to a certain point with when you're in a long term relationship where you know flirting is kind of different because you're, right. you're not trying to land them anymore. You you, you already have them, so. You know, that the sort of playfulness isn't always there anymore. That, you know, that kind of, you know, snappy repartee and like, mm-hmm. you know, she's basically telling him, oh, you know, people are distracted because they're looking at your mouth. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, that, that's, that's a heck of a come on, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, to the point where I was like, is she hitting on him with that? Because it seems so yes. strange and out of nowhere. Yeah, I think this show is actually very interested in people's mouths in general, because we often end up getting kind of close ups (laughs) from characters perspectives of like, here's Dan Willie's talking and there's no audio and it's just her fixating on his mouth and, you know, her smile and so on. And you're right, Gina, I think it's 100%. It's the thrill of the chase, but also the high of being flirted with by someone that you find attractive. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, they got characters with some hot mouths, too. So, you know, you use what you got. (laughs) One thing I do appreciate, and it was always something I appreciate about the original, is I I don't actually know how old Lizzie Kaplan is in real life. Mm -hmm. But Alex does not seem a lot younger than him. Mm-hmm. And right. and I think you know an easy twist they could have done was to make her you know, significantly younger than him, mm. and you know which you know you know a lot of people assume is is the the draw for you know when people you cheat on their spouses is finding someone you know younger and hotter, and no I mean you know Amanda Pete is attractive and you know I would say oh, God, you yeah. know Lizzie mm-hmm. Kaplan's maybe I don't know five years younger than her it's not significant so mm-hmm. you know I, I appreciate that kind of turn on. It as well yeah it's not like he's trading in for a younger model right it, it all comes down to you know getting attention and being made to feel attractive which you know again that's just kind of something that happens in in a in a long-term relationship sometimes you know you forget to tell your partner that you find them attractive you you yeah. know you think it's assumed i don't have to tell them they know and you know mm-hmm. not always sometimes it's good it's still good to hear yeah yeah, Corey and I have had conversations about that. Like, can you give me one compliment a day? That would make me feel good. Aww. But I think one of the things that's interesting, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, we read that Love Languages book. And yeah. anyways, that's another story for another day. But one thing I think is really interesting um, about this is it is kind of digging into Dan's 
like his motives a little bit too because we've got this whole he's denied a judgeship thing you know and i think as a person who really likes to study masculinity and what like ideals for power and successful careers can kind of do to men who are not able or people who identify as men who are not kind of able to live up to whatever they've decided is their expectation like i think that's giving him he's just received this big blow and then this attractive woman is hitting on him. And I think that is really interesting. And so we were talking about like how it's focused on the wrong character and I kind of agree, but I'm also interested in that too. I'm just more interested in the women because I've seen that story before, you know? When you mentioned uh, Dan losing the judgeship, I think it's also uh, setting up a pattern for how he reacts to Mm. negative things and that he just he simmers like like uh, when he goes in when he when he goes into the bathroom after his boss tells him i mean i i honestly thought he was gonna start like screaming and punching the uh the the wall he just like Mm -hmm. and and it's like oh okay they're they're there it is they're establishing that he's kind of really just holding in all this simmering anger that he's going to let out he's going to let out eventually a hundred percent yeah and that's why i think that third episode is so much stronger than the first two and maybe it's that we had to see the first two to appreciate the third one but Mm -hmm. there's a point in the third episode where we kind of switch back and forth between the perspectives of alex and dan like we start with with alex and we really get a sense of how much she has orchestrated and planned this and i thought oh it's going to be an entirely alex perspective episode but then we do end up cutting back to dan because when he tries to cut her off that's when she starts showing up at the open house because they're selling their house and then you know there's a scene late in the episode where he discovers she has poured nitric acid on his car and we're really escalating things quite quickly in the third episode, but we're very much getting a sense of, okay, this is how far gone Alex is in terms of her mental illness, where she is making very brash, very aggressive moves. But we are seeing that simmering tension in Dan, right? Like he is a coil that is being compressed and he is going to explode. Yes. It's very wrong, wrong to people wrong time you know just exploding (laughs) off of each other keep these people apart (laughs) exactly i know which of course just draws them together it's like they're they're like their illnesses are just calling out to each other like magnets which is which Mm -hmm. feels very true to life like you know i I attracted a lot of uh bad guys but one of the things i love is this kind of implication of self-harm that alex is experiencing like she just looks at the tea kettle and she just burns her fingers and I mean, it's really hard to watch. And when she's banging her leg with the kettlebell, which mm-hmm. I think is a really interesting update of like in the original film when she's just turning the lights on and off, you know? Right. I'm interested to see where it goes with that because that, again, it's like, it feels very true and authentic and something that this character would be experiencing, you know? But also but also, you can see the potential setup for ways that she's going to continue to make his life difficult, Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. let's say. Like... My prediction is there's going to be a point where she's going to she's going to hit herself mm-hmm. and then and then turn around and say that he did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And I thought she was going to smash herself in the head with the kettlebell. Like that scene was so tense. It's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. 
what did you two think of the update on the suicide attempt? Because in the film, she infamously cuts her wrists and Dan has to bandage her up and then he stays the night with her. Whereas here, she fakes taking a bunch of pills and then he calls her on it. Mm, you know, I... It's hard for me to say. Like I said, I, I, at the same time, I, I wouldn't want them to do an exact recreation of the movie because, because how, you know, how mm -hmm. could they? You know, the movie is like an hour and fifty, and this is going to be eight hours total. So you know, right. I mean, I'm still wondering what is this deal with this rabbit that he sees like, like right. in the hallway of Alex's apartment building that apparently belongs to D Wallace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like, I like, I like. Okay, I, I think I mean the movie. It was the kid's pet. It was the kid's pet, but. All right, I guess yes. the rabbit's yeah. gonna show up somehow. Um, <laughs> like Neo's gonna pop his head out of the, the my god. <laughs> but you know, I also you know one thing with the show is Alex is clearly unbalanced, but also she is lucid and smart enough to know how to play these tricks. Yes, how, right. how to do these setups. Where in the movie, she actually does cut her wrists. Yeah. And, yes. you know, that, and they may have been, you know, what they call superficial cuts in which, you know, she didn't actually intend to kill herself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this, this again, seems more planned. Like, this is all, you know, I'm going to, you know, test his reaction to this. You know, which makes me wonder, she expected the kind of, you know, speech he gave about, well, you know, I'm going to have to report this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you we can either go ahead you can either go ahead in the hospital or I could take you back home. And I, I'm curious as to if she expected him to react in that way or if she thought he'd take her to the hospital and protect her. Right. Yeah. I can't help but wonder if this is going to be the first of several times that she tries this. Like, is mm -hmm. this just the precursor and next time she actually will take the pills or she will cut her wrists? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a kind of a question I have that maybe we can talk about a little later is how long is this? Is this a limited series or is this going to be expanded? Apparently because, just limited. Okay. Well, I, I think I kind of like that more, although I would always love to see. Yeah. That. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how they could, how they could, you know, carry this out for more than, you know, a season. This, this particular yeah. plot. What yeah. I think is interesting is because we never know for sure if, like you said, if Alex in the film does intend to actually die or if that is what she wants. I think it's it feels to me like a quote unquote cry for help, although I know there's issues with that phrase. Mm -hmm. But I think seeing how clearly planned it was and that she didn't take anything. And I was also like, I, I feel like I might have picked that up. I was like, no, if she took all those pills. You can't give her the choice. Like that is right. extremely unsafe, but also to turn, like she would also have been in much more, like she would probably be puking. She would probably right. be in much more of a physical state. So I wonder if he kind of part of I think he knew. clocked it from the beginning. Yeah. And I also, another thing I think is interesting is I know that Dan in the film is a lawyer, but it seems like the stakes of him getting in trouble in the show are a lot higher and i think that might be what the car yeah, crash thing in the beginning is you know because he works he works for the city right right and so there is this element of like no if if we are ever on the record at all then it is just over for us and i'm never going to mm -hmm. get this judgeship which also seems like he is flirting with disaster and it's not oh. that it's his, mm -hmm. he's going to lose his family or his wife's going to get mad at him it's that his career is going to be over you know 
Yeah, because in the in the film, he's not a lawyer. He works in publishing. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. I think the implication is just, I mean, we, we did a lot of movies about publishing in the 80s and the 90s because <laughs> yeah. it was still kind of, don't, don't hate me, <laughs> internet. It was still a relevant job profession. Uh, oh yeah no no you're absolutely you're absolutely yeah. right yeah no you never you almost never see that anymore and like a highly no. prized one too you know yeah because i i think it was a kind of like safe way to do office politics in an uh -huh. intriguing fashion without having to do cops or lawyers whereas nowadays we're all cops and lawyers all the time so this totally makes sense but that that is an opportunity for me to do a segue as well because these first three episodes spend a lot of time on this case that Dan mm -hmm. is trying to get wrapped up. And then Alex ends up getting wrapped up in it as well. But like, do you think any of the legalities of the cases that they're working on in these episodes will come into effect later around Alex's covered up death? I mean, probably she 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 lied about this. I'm not entirely clear because she was a, a... I think she was an abused woman. Yeah. Yeah. She mm -hmm. she was actually brain dead. Alex, for reasons that are you know, remain unclear as of yet, uh, lied to Dan and said, oh, she woke up and she spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And and apparently this never happened. The, the woman was brain dead. She came into the hospital with no expectation of recovery and then she dies. And mm -hmm. the episode, episode three, ends with... Dan finding this out and I think that is a point that he it really occurs to him okay this woman is genuinely dangerous yeah yeah because it's a case that he couldn't win if she didn't have a confession so the fact that Alex stages the confession means again that his career is potentially in jeopardy because the doctor is going to say oh no there's no way she could have woken up to give you that yeah, and I think it's this short-sighted, because if I were to try to figure out why she did that, it's to, have one, have an excuse to talk to him, and two, mm -hmm. give him something that makes her seem valuable to him. And exactly. It, but it, it just shows the short-sightedness and the overall all destructiveness of her actions. But I think another element that I find really interesting is that she's like a victim's rights advocate you know yes. and i'm sure that's going to play in later but right now it's just this really interesting contrast of like she is the one that people are turning to for help from mm -hmm. very similar problems that she has and she's not able to make the connection between getting help for herself or we've we see that she's tried in the past but i think she thinks i don't know if she thinks she's better or if she i don't know i'm curious to see how that's going to play out one thing that I, I hope that they do more of as the series goes on is her trying for other people to seem like a normal person. Yes. Right. You know, again, as you pointed out earlier, with the movie, the problem, you know, because of, you know, the limited time they're working with, we don't actually really know much about Alex because mm -mm. nothing she nothing she says can be trusted. Mm -hmm. So we don't know anything mm -hmm. about her personal life, her background. She lives alone. We don't, you know, we don't see her ever interacting with anybody else. Mm -mm. I mean, obviously she's, you know, she's also in the publishing industry. So she manages to maintain some image of normalcy but we don't right. see it you know we see her being very you know sexually forward with dan 
And then, you know, when the relationship, whatever you want to call it, doesn't go the way she had thought it would, then she just snaps and loses it. Whereas we spend more time with Alex, so we see more of the different faces she wears. And I think mm-hmm. that that is interesting. And I and I hope that the, I, I hope she doesn't go, you know, full bat shit all the time by like the next episode. I, I hope that yeah. we see more of her trying to hold it together for, you know, one reason or another, either to, you know, gaslight Dan or just, you know, to keep attention away from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, she's got a wholesome professional career, like she's new in town. So mm-hmm. hypothetically, she may have moved because because of something that happened in the past. She definitely has that that heated phone conversation with somebody mm-hmm. that I that yes. I assume was an ex that you know, uh-huh. she moved away from or moved away from her. Yeah. Yeah, but she also has like this great relationship with Conchita, the well-respected woman that Dan works with in the victim's rights. Because there's even a scene where she pops her head in and Conchita's like, you know, don't make me regret hiring you. And uh-huh. and I think Alex says, oh, well, you know, I'm super smart and that's why you hired me. And she's clearly very good at her job. So it's just a question of, is she good at her job until she becomes laser focused on some new man and then she kind of torpedoes her own life? Yeah, because we see when she's talking to one of her clients that she kind of loses patience with him. And she has talked about empathy fatigue, which I think anyone in that role who is familiar with empathy fatigue, I think, tells me they are probably very good at their job because that is something that that shows me they have a larger awareness. But that, yeah, she, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe when she starts to kind of unconsciously see herself and some of the people that are coming to her from help that might be when she kind of starts to fall apart too you know mm-hmm. and i think when she sees her own behavior in other yeah. people i think it mm-hmm. honestly just dis- i think it honestly disgusts her right yeah. yeah and i mean that's what i was talking about earlier with when i look at glenn close in the original movie and like oh it's, it's just really hard for me to like her <laughs> although i really want to and again never boiled any rabbits but um no restraining orders against me but i also <laughs> i like i'm curious i want to see her kind of hold on to this professionalism a little bit longer too and i want yes. i'm curious to see when this turn is going to happen because i think with the original film and just with women in general the wife is the good wife quote unquote and she's the wild woman and there's no gray area. And I want to see how the show is going to deal with public perception of her because, mm-hmm. you know, I think in a lot of times I'm thinking of like Kelly on The Office too. Like, like you say one thing and then suddenly all of these, this boys club men just flip and then you're the crazy woman and they just stay away from you, you know? Right. I have a quick question for you guys, unrelated sure. unrelated to Alex. Uh, were you all surprised to see that his friend slash father figure slash like protector is still alive in the uh, in the, uh, the the present timeline? And seemingly mm. unaged, and Toby Hess, which I think <laughs> Toby, Hutt, Toby he, Hess he, never he, looks different. He's, yeah. he's, the, he's the best to me right now. He's the best character in, in the in the in the in the series. I think he just I think everything he says is funny, uh-huh. uh, but at the same time, when I first saw the role that he has in Dan's life with being mm-hmm. this sort of protector slash detective, oh, I'm he's like, going to uh, get murdered. Yeah, I'm like, oh, he's going to he's going to be. <laughs> when he made a remark about you know finding somebody in the back of in, in a car trunk, I'm like, guess who's going to end up in a car trunk? But no, mm. apparently he he's still alive. Well, I mean, give it now, time, Gina. Things can happen in the present too. <laughs> That's true. That That's is true. true. That's true. Yeah, I'm curious about this. Okay, so that's maybe a good point to start wrapping this up and thinking ahead because 
gauging what we know from three episodes, we're going into the halfway point with episode four. So what do you two expect might happen next? Or what would you like to see more of? I got two things I want to see more of. Okay. One is silly and the other is more of an overarching question I have about the show in general. Okay, so mm-hmm. first of all, these sex scenes, I am enjoying Ooh. them and I don't want I mean they're good but long. Holy Exactly. Cow. <laughs> I know, in a, in a good way and also okay, there have been two times when I thought Dan was about to go down on her and then mm. he's come back up and I was like, "Oh, so close both times." <laughs> and so <laughs> I want to see her get some head in the coming episode. Although the way things are turning, I don't know if that's going to happen. Wow. But I also, I don't know if I buy that he didn't actually kill her. You know, I, mm. I'm i curious to see how that is going to play out because I watched that first scene and I was like, like I said, they're doing it. And so I'm just, I'm curious to see what the big revelation is going to be for him and what the revelation for his daughter is going to be. I feel like Gina and I are going to be on the same page. Gina, do you agree with me that Alex has faked her death and she's still going to be alive in the present? I think there is a very specific reason that they have not they have not explained the details of her mm. death. Only okay. only that, you know, she was supposedly murdered and that Dan you know, basically said, "Yeah, I did it," so he could avoid going to trial and, and embarrassing mm-hmm. his family. But, oh you know, God. apparently there are other people's fingerprints found at the scene so it's like okay somebody else that we don't know of yet because this is this is somebody that they've not been able to identify just that it's another person a third person Mm -hmm. you know was involved let's say in this and when i say involved i don't mean he killed her they killed her i mean they, they were just there in yeah. some way Ooh, it's the, the daughter. daughter it's the daughter yeah <laughs> he covered it up so that the daughter wouldn't get into trouble and that's why he and amanda pete made the agreement that she would cut him out with their lives Ooh, you, mean okay. the, you, you think the daughter ki- uh, killed alex either killed maybe. her or was heavily involved maybe mm. i did not even imagine that she might still be alive and if she is still alive we know from double jeopardy that you cannot be convicted <laughs> of killing the same person twice so <laughs> no jen go to go to bad lawyer jail <laughs> that is not true no collecting 200 dollars. yes i'm going straight to jail <laughs> i just feel I, I i think that would be a fun twist uh-huh. um I do definitely agree that you know they they are being very judicious with how much information that is is, true. Gi- is given yeah. out about the circumstances behind her death. All we know is that mm-hmm. she was she was murdered. Like we don't know if they ever found her body. They don't. They've never said. Yeah. So it's just that you know if she was murdered. You know you said you did it. You went to jail. You know case closed. Right. Ooh, I think we're on to something. I do too, and I'm suddenly much more excited. <laughs> although i was pretty into this i'm enjoying it and i would be yeah, watching i i would tell people it. you know be prepared for a very slow burn at first yes. mm-hmm. and then things start cooking around th- the third episode and the second episode has some decent sex scenes yeah yeah the the <laughs> sex scene in in episode two is worth the wait yes um, absolutely. and then i think episode three is the one that's going to make people sit up and say oh they're not just doing the film yes mm-hmm the only other thing that I would add to this is that we're getting a lot of great character actors in supporting roles. So like Hope Davis is uh, mm-hmm. the daughter's therapist, and I wouldn't mind seeing more of her. 
And also Jessica fucking Harper is mm. Dan's mother-in-law. And I would like to see a lot more of her. And his awful his awful father-in-law. Oh, who's, yeah. Who's just like, why don't you want to be a district attorney? It's like, because <laughs> a district attorney is a perfectly good and prestigious job. Right. <laughs> but again, <laughs> I feel like, to like say. I'm loving that psychology is like, is he just in this situation where nothing is ever going to be good enough? Because they keep dropping hints about his dad, too. Oh, he's trying oh, to yeah, be yeah, his yeah. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm super curious about that, too. Because this show is obsessed with daddies. Yes, it is. Which is another <laughs> finger pointing at the daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to cut us off there because <laughs> I feel like we've got a lot of different uh, <laughs> different balls in the air from this <laughs> <Yes>. conversation. <laughs> So, Gina, if folks want to chat about Fatal Attraction episodes one through three with you, how would they reach you? Well, I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters. Uh, We are in the middle of Animal Attacks April right now. We have done uh, the killer rat movie Deadly Eyes. Um, (laughs) By the time this goes up, we will have done an episode on Day of the Animals, in which uh, Leslie Nielsen attempts to wrestle a bear with shirtless. Oh God! Oh, wow. It's it's classic. If you've not seen it, it's on Shutter. I have a Substack in which I write about movies and television. It's Gina Watches Things and I write about movies and television at Spool.net. And I'm on Twitter under Gina Does Things for however long Twitter lasts with us. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and Jen. You can find me at Jim Feratu on Twitter and Instagram. Again, as long as the, the party keeps going. Um, and I say party loosely because um, it's been weird recently. Um, but you can also find me hosting the Losers Club podcast, uh, which is all about Stephen King. We've been focusing on Richard Bachman recently because we just got to his last book. Um, I'm taking a break from psychoanalysis for a little bit just to kind of, you know. Clear your head. Clear my head, yes, and not be talking about like super personal mental health stuff all the time, even though I do love doing that. But you can also find me on the new show on Anatomy of a Scream, The Girls on the Boys, where we are talking about the Amazon Prime show, The Boys with Rachel Reeves. Going to be super fun. And yeah, just writing and posting. I'll post everything I do, so just follow me to find it. Okay, we're all too busy because these outros are now starting to take two to five minutes. I know. (laughs) Everybody take one thing off your plate by the next episode. (laughs) Oh, if only, you know. God. I'll take one thing off and put three more things on. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes, uh, if folks would like to reach me, I am at B, still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And Jen, you did mention the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network, so we'll thank them for hosting this here show, as well as so, so many others. Uh, April has been a great month. We've kind of soft launched season two to try to make the episodes a little easier to find. But yeah, we've got uh, Terry's and my new show about David Lynch and David Cronenberg. We've got the girls on the boys. Bodies of Horror continues. And yes, the party on White Ladies in Crisis will continue <laughs> next week, folks, because we are here for the next like five weeks straight talking about this here Fatal Attraction show. So stay with us and maybe don't order a sub for your neighbor when they want to move out because they're terrified of you. Totally. Especially not with too much condiments. <laughs> Buy some boxer shorts. My God. <laughs> And cut your hair, please, baby. Oh, my God.
Squad.